Welcome to the Weekly Insight Podcast, where we break down the noise of the week and help you understand the psychology of the markets with your host, Andrew Dore at Insight Wealth Group. Good morning. Welcome to the latest edition of the Weekly Insight Podcast. As usual, I'm your host, Andrew Dore. Thank you for making a little bit of time today to hear our thoughts on the economy and the market. Before we get started, let me just do what I do every week and remind you that what you're about to hear today should not be construed as individual investment advice, but instead just an overview of where things are. If you have questions or would like to discuss how this relates to your personal portfolio, I'd encourage you to give us a call here at the office. With that, let's dive into it. It was a week last week, wasn't it? Last week was one of those weeks where it's just not fun to be exposed to the markets. It's not fun to be a financial advisor, to be frank. Now, there was really nowhere to hide. U.S. equities, foreign equities, U.S. bonds, foreign bonds, you name it, everything had a lousy week last week. I guess that's probably not much of a surprise when you look at the things that happened last week. U.S. politics continue to be a mess. The Fed really disappointed the markets. And just because why not? A dictator with the world's largest nuclear arsenal decided to threaten to use them because he was getting his butt kicked by his lowly little neighbors in Ukraine. So when you're in the midst of that, it's certainly hard to see much more than disappointment on the horizon. But I would argue that this is one of those times, this is exactly one of those times when measured optimism, and please note that I said measured, but measured optimism is the most important. But why would I suggest that? Pretty simple. History is on our side. Data is on our side. The short term is often scary, but the long term, I think, gives us reason for hope, and I want to get into that. But before we get into that, let's take a minute to go through what the Fed said last week, because it was important. It was a big deal. It really affected the markets, and I think we need to better understand it. So let's go through that first. Many of you who are longtime listeners or, or longtime clients of Insight know our friends at Tiber Cosmolan Associates quite well. We've been partners with them going back almost 10 years, and they described to me this week the situation as a, quote, negative feedback loop. And I think that's a really good descriptor of what's happening with the Fed. Inflation begets interest rate hikes, interest rate hikes beget recession, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. On and on the story goes until something comes about and breaks the cycle. And to be fair, Chairman Powell and the Fed did nothing this week to break the cycle. They raised rates 75 basis points, which I think we all expected. But that wasn't the big news. The big news was that they indicated that rates were going higher and going higher for longer than anyone on Wall Street was expecting. So what was the expectation this week? The expectation this week was 75 basis points now and hopefully a 50 and a 25 basis point hike down the road. There are two Fed meetings left. They don't meet in October because they don't want to be seen as influencing an election in November. So they meet in November and December. Well, the projection that the Fed gave this week was that they're going to raise rates an additional 1 to 125 basis points by the end of the year. So with those two meetings left, that means at best 250 basis point hikes, but more likely a 75 and a 50 to end the year. The market was hoping for something much less than that. But I would say that more notable than the direction of rate increases was the commentary from Chairman Powell. 
he was very clear this week that a, quote, policy-induced recession may be the price we have to pay to combat inflation. Why is that? The strength of the economy, and more importantly, the strength of the labor market, is probably the thing that Chairman Powell and company see as continuing to influence the inflationary pressures right now. And so what the Fed is looking at is, how do we slow down the labor market? Because if jobs continue to grow and wages continue to grow and people have more money to spend on items that are harder to come by right now, that continues to drive prices higher. And as we've said for the last couple of weeks, one of the things that Chairman Powell is most attentive to is this idea that we don't want to change people's long-term expectations for inflation. He goes back and he talks a lot about the 1970s and how during that time period, the expectation for inflation was such that it just constantly caused more inflation. And so he wants to beat that down right now before it gets out of hand. And in his view, one of the only ways to do that is to slow down the labor market. So what did the Fed say about unemployment? Their projection for unemployment for next year is as high as 4.5%. Now, 4.5% historically is not a particularly bad number, but getting to 4.5% will likely not be a pain-free scenario. That means we would have to increase our unemployment number by more than 0.5% from our current levels. Now, according to Renaissance Macro Research, we have never had an increase of that size without a recession. That's a big deal. So, higher rates for longer, rising unemployment, potential for a recession. Where is where is that optimism, Andrew? Why do we believe that there's a reason for measured optimism? And, and I come back to that negative feedback loop. The first way to inject some optimism into that, this market right now is to break that cycle. And how do we break it? We break it with falling inflation. We have two months until the next Fed meeting. That is two inflation reports to change the tone of where this thing is going and change the opinion of policymakers. One of the things that we're most concerned about is that Fed policy, monetary policy, is something that the effects of which are very much trailing. The Fed may raise interest rates today, but the true impact of that really isn't seen until three or four or five or six months later. And so if we could see some impact from the previous interest rate decisions beginning to affect inflation, that might guide Chairman Powell and crew to be a little bit more dovish the next time we meet. Well, I talked last week about how the peak in CPI almost always corresponds with the turnaround of equity markets. And I also laid out an argument that we believe it's possible that CPI either peaked in August or will peak this month in September. Now, I don't know if that will end up being the case. I can throw data against the wall, but the truth is that it really doesn't matter until we see what comes out in the latest CPI reports. But last week, we got the forecast for the CPI report from Bloomberg. So this is not the actual CPI report, but this is what economists are saying the September CPI report will show. The result of that, pretty positive. Month-over-month CPI is expected to actually drop 0.1% in September. And year-over-year CPI is expected to fall from 83 to 8.1%. 8.1% still seems high, but it would actually be the lowest number we've seen since February, when I believe inflation was at 78 
So what does market performance look like after CPI turns the corner? It's actually really compelling. I include a chart in the memo this week, which is linked in the show notes, but that chart looks at the forward returns of the S&P 500 after the top 10 worst CPI market reactions. And what it shows is that six months later, the market has a notably positive return. In 2020, the market was up 41% six months later. In 1990, it was up 20.3%. In 2011, it was up 13.3%. In 1974, it was up 28%. You go down the road time and time again, you see really positive numbers. The average return over the next six months from those top 10 negative reactions to CPI is a positive 18.8%. Now, that six months figure is pretty compelling when you put it into context of what industry analysts are saying right now. FactSet, which is a group that I love to read their information, it's available online for free. I would encourage you to go check out FactSet.com. FactSet looks at what the industry analysts are saying, and the current average prediction for the performance of the S&P 500 over the next 12 months is a positive 25.7%. That's a bottom-up projection from Friday's close. The average industry analyst is currently saying that 12 months from now, the S&P will close at 47.24. Notably, that number really hasn't changed much since July. It's traded in a range between 47.20 and 47.50. Well, that's wonderful, Andrew, but how accurate are those projections? You know, if over the last 10 years they've been wild and crazy and they've been off by massive amounts... That really doesn't matter much to us, right? Well, actually, FactSet points out that those 12-month projections have been accurate to within 1% over the last 10 years. In the last five years, those projections have actually underestimated the market's performance by 0.7%. And over the last 10 years, they've overestimated it slightly by 0.1%. So it's a pretty compelling data set when you look at the history of that data set. When you combine that with the fact that the S&P 500 today is trading, you know, if you remove the mega caps, if you remove Apple and Google and those guys and look at the rest of the S&P 500, it's trading at about 13 to 14 times earnings. That right there is close to the historical recession lows. So I do think there's a compelling reason for optimism right now. The problem with that is the psychology of it. Because we've talked a lot over the years on this podcast, in our memo, with our clients at seminars, face-to-face with our clients, we've talked a lot about the need to be able to resist our basest instincts. My clients by now surely have the line memorized, the old Warren Buffett line, be fearful when others are greedy and greedy when others are fearful. Okay, so Andrew, is now the time to be greedy? Should we be putting all of our cash into the market and Betting on the come, I would love to be able to say that. I would love to be able to stand on the mountaintop and scream, now is the time to buy. But we're not there yet. The level of uncertainty is just a little bit too high. If we get a bad inflation report instead of a good inflation report, you can imagine what that's going to do to the market. If we have a couple bad months of inflation reports, you can imagine what that's going to do to the next Fed meeting. So we do need to get some good and repeatable inflation data before we can be bold enough to say now's the time to go crazy in the markets. But we can do something else, and that is we can steal our spines a little bit right now. And I 
I always remember uh, the movie Braveheart. If you remember, Mel Gibson is playing William Wallace, and there's a scene where they know they are about to face the British cavalry, and they know that they are outmanned and they are outgunned, so to speak. And so secretly, they forge these big pikes, these big wooden spears, and they hide them at their feet at the front of the line. And the British, because they're very cocky, charge towards the Scottish lines. And there's a scene where William Wallace is holding his, I think it's an axe or a mace above his head, and he's screaming to his troops, hold. Now's the time to hold. It's very much like that. Now is the time to be patient. The time to strike may be coming soon. I can't promise you it's here yet. But I can tell you that making the opposite decision has typically turned out to be the wrong one. So with that, we'll leave it there this week. I would encourage you, if you'd like to discuss this further, if you have questions about the information we go through in this podcast, I'd encourage you to give us a call. You can always reach us at the office at 515-273-1333. Or I'd encourage you to go to the website and read some of this information, look at some of this data. You can find it there at www.insightwealthgroup.com. I hope you have a great week. I hope the markets have a better week. We will be back next week to recap it. Take care. Securities offered through Arate Wealth Management, LLC, member FINRA, SIPC, NFA. Investment advisory services offered through Arate Wealth Advisors, LLC, an SEC-registered investment firm.